Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Host. The Host was written by Stephanie Meyer and was published in 2008. And the film adaptation, which came out in 2013, was directed by Andrew Nichol. Yep. Merry Christmas! <laughs> yes, and a Happy New Year. Um, yes. So the past two years we've done like kind of a Christmas holiday themed episode. Um, and but we, we, were, we, we were trying realized. to think of one for this year, and I know there are others out there, but nothing just, nothing felt right. Yeah. So we decided it would be better to give you a real gift. <laughs> and put ourselves through so much terrible reading and bring to you the last available Stephanie Meyer adaptation yep. that we have not covered. Exactly. After after this, there is no more. I did not expect to return to <laughs> Stephanie Meyer so quickly after finishing Twilight. Ian, can you believe that you've read five Stephanie Meyer novels? No, I can't. <laughs> I genuinely can't. And the fact that we have covered as much Stephanie Meyer material on this podcast as we have Stephen King yep. at this point. Yeah. And probably a comparable page count as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. And we're here. We're here. To talk about it. And it's going to be great. I'm very excited. Because, man, <laughs> this is uh, this is this is quite a story. Just for some context, the movie <laughs> Has a 7%. A 9%. Or, I'm sorry, a 9% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. And it really earns it. <laughs> it really earns that 9%. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> it, it is actually not the lowest rated movie we've covered. The Snowman is actually lower. Yes. And maybe some others, I can't remember. I don't think so. But it's certainly down there. Uh, and very, very interesting in its own special way. According to Stephanie Meyer, this book is science fiction for people who don't like science fiction. What? That's how she describes it. Oh, fuck that. That makes me <laughs> so mad. She also said in an interview about the movie that this is her favorite book mm. that she's written, which she could just be saying... To promote the book yeah. and the movie. However, I will hold that against her <laughs> for this entire episode. <laughs> but let's jump into this over 600-page novel. Yes, it is over 600 pages, so let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins in the book with the awakening of our main character. And she's in a strange environment this kind of hospital room she is kind of in this weird mental state and her doctor has a really weird dumb name <laughs> ford's Clearwater, right um something like that yeah <laughs> and we realize all this weirdness is because the consciousness of our narrator is an alien yes. that has been put in the body of a human mm -hmm. because at this point in the world, the entire planet has been taken over invasion of the body snatchers style mm -hmm. by this alien race of silvery worm things. Yes, they're like 
fuzzy, silvery, slippery, tentacled monsters, only like two inches long, that like just go right into your butt. I mean, into (laughs) the back of your neck (laughs) and uh, take over your brain. Um, And you can see that someone has a soul. They call them souls. Yeah. Inside of them because their eyes have this like silver iris Mm -hmm. around around the iris. And they are like, yeah, we've conquered many planets. We're here to conquer Earth. Earth is finally at peace. There's only a few humans that are resisting still. Um, we just get a lot of information dumped on us oh boy, in this do we. part. And Ian and I started listening to this book at the same time because we were traveling together and we wanted to kind of get a jump start on the book because we knew it was so long. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, let's start listening to it. And the fact that we had listened to so much, it felt like so much of it, and nothing had happened, no. and she was still unconscious, and it was just like... It was... Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just like this huge information dump where the narrator is literally like still not unconscious, but like laying on a hospital gurney yeah. for a while and just thinking and listening and covering all this information for us because god forbid if we're in the dark on anything for like five seconds like stephanie meyer is like how will people know what's happening if i don't just explain everything yeah Yeah. one of my questions early on was like it's kind of like almost like a chicken and the egg thing with these aliens yes like they have to like create an incision in the neck to put the alien in yes but it's like wouldn't you think that this species would have to have some kind of natural way of like invading the body. Yeah. Cause how would you even, I know. how would that begin? You know, you obviously need one of them to be infected to insert the next one. Yeah. Like how would an alien. Well, and they talk about their origin planet very little. Like they talk about it a little bit, but they don't like at one point someone asked the main character, like how did this start? You know, what's going on with like you souls being parasites and the main character is just like oh it's always been this way yeah and that's it that's literally it and i mean we have so much information being dumped on us and certain things in stephanie meyer's style she over explains and conversations go on and on and on and things just don't end but in other ways she never explains anything it is weird yeah how in this 600 page book it still feels like things are like and for as much as she explains things, I also think she like she info dumps so much that maybe some of the things I'm uncertain about were explained, but it just gets buried in on itself. Yeah. Where it's like, sorry, I can't remember the entire history of this from like one section of like 10 pages of exposition. Yeah. You know, like I think if you're left wondering about something for a bit and then you get explained it later mm-hmm. and then maybe there's another question and like yeah, that's it like builds yeah yeah and like you you fill in the gaps and i think it helps you digest it better yeah whereas the way she does it is just like so overwhelming in certain parts of the story i agree but so the uh the soul the soul which is the name of the parasite Mm -hmm. who is later named wanderer because they get a new name each planet they go to uh the body that she's inside of she quickly realizes 
is talking to her. Yeah. And we also she's also able to like experience her memories because that's something that the soul can do once it's inside the body. Yeah. So we find out quickly how Melanie was captured essentially because the she, body. Yeah, because she was a part of this resistance and she's kind of one of the few humans left at this point who isn't implanted with a soul. Yeah. And essentially she was just cornered in a building mm-hmm. and she tried to kill herself. Yeah, but did not succeed. But did not succeed. And so now she's got a worm inside her brain. <laughs> Can we talk about the scene in the movie where this happens? We have to talk about the scene in the movie. <laughs> because literally it's the main character, Melanie, and she's like running from, we're guessing like the other aliens. And she's in this like hotel, abandoned hotel And she's like in this room hiding. And then all of a sudden she's like, all right, this is my chance. She runs out. And then the the seekers, which are like the people that are chasing her, are like immediately there. She's just, I know. She's just crouching, like our first hiding. hiding. And then she comes out and she's like, oh, I'm caught. Like (laughs) immediately in, in five seconds. Yeah. Like she gets we don't even see her successfully successfully evading them. For any amount of time. No. she That's our introduction to her is she is immediately surrounded. Yeah. And we're like, what is happening already? <laughs> and they try to capture her, but she manages to like run away from them. And she leaps out of a window because uh, she'd rather be dead than be occupied by a soul. Mm-hmm. But of course, we find out her suicide was not successful and she did get sold. She got sold. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird, though, because it's not supposed to happen this way because we're told all this information all at the beginning. Whereas when the soul takes over the body, the soul will have access to the, the that, that person's memories. But then there isn't supposed to be still a consciousness left over there. Mm-hmm. And Melanie is very present inside Wanderer's head. So she can hear the voice of Melanie, the voice of the body talking back to her. Yeah, it's something that happens immediately, and I really wish it had been built up a little bit. Yeah. Because is just like, oh, wait, Melanie's still here. And Melanie's like, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool if, like, Wander was just, like, going about her day and caught these, like, these glimpses yeah. of Melanie. And it was kind of like a creeping thing that happened to her a dawning horror yeah yeah Yeah. would have been much more interesting but no she's just there right off the bat and the seeker there's a seeker there which is like the police of these souls the popo yeah (laughs) she and she's like hey tell me all your memories so i can find all the other filthy humans that you've been (laughs) hanging out with not you the body and wanderers like i can't access all the memories like there's kind of this wall shield up where Melanie is sort of trying to protect the people that she was with. Yeah. So it's kind of this thing where like, so in the book, Wanderer goes on to just like kind of live her life. She becomes like this teacher at the university. Yeah. And a little bit more is kind of filled in for us in regards to the world where basically like they didn't, it's such a. I know. It it, it, it makes no sense because basically they're like, we didn't change anything. They're like, at, at later points, Wander explains, like, we're not here to change the way you live, simply to take it over. And but also they're here to experience human life. Yes. Yeah. But also they like they changed saved everything. the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, we don't want to change everything. And then they changed everything. <laughs> they're like, we we didn't we didn't change anything except 
completely relieved you of your need for fossil fuel. We like yeah. cleaned up the atmosphere, repaired the ozone layer. We saved the ice caps. We like, you know, yeah. but- we live harmon- in harmony with nature. We're super pacifistic. There's no more wars. Yeah. Earth is completely at peace. <laughs> um, also, we did away with money and yeah. capitalism in general. And people just work to contribute to the greater good. Also, um, we have medicine that actually works and it's like magic. And it's free health care without like any questions. But, you know, the yeah. normal human experience. Just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it, so it's just such a weird like what. And also it's not explained what they did. To necessarily like save the planet, yeah, or no. anything, they're just like, yeah, no, we did it. Everything's fine now. It's so easy. Why didn't you do it this way? Obviously, it's so easy. I don't even have to explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna explain it. <laughs> you should just know. <laughs> but essentially, wanders living her life, and it was a little. I was a little confused at this point, as I was at many points throughout this book, because the seeker. Is still hanging around. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, what's up? What's up? You got those memories yet? Tell me more. Yeah, and I I didn't understand at first why she was around, but then I, I understood that, like, oh, the Seeker still wants those memories and that information about other humans, which the Wanderer has not been able to tap into yet. Yeah. So the Seeker is just going to bother the shit out of her until yeah. she gets them. <laughs> yeah, and this whole part is so boring oh my god it really is it's i mean so we're learning boring. a lot about this world but nothing is happening which you know your interest can only go so far when there's literally no action and wanderer is a boring person oh she has god. no personality no and she has no life she doesn't do anything it's just her like battling with melanie in her head them just like trading like snippy comments <laughs> and then the seeker being like hey tell me more hey tell me more <laughs> And around this time, too, Wanderer's, like, having some dreams and getting some memories of um, Melanie's time as a human. And she's remembering one person in particular. She's remembering Melanie's lover, Jared. And it becomes this, like, obsession. Yeah. Where it, it, it definitely is more touched upon later. But these feelings that Melanie has for Jared kind of infect wanderer too where she yeah. kind of becomes equally as obsessed with finding jared and jamie her younger brother yeah who she was living with and traveling with until she was captured and she thinks they're still out there and alive she hopes they are mm-hmm. she wants to find them and so does wanderer and i think we quickly find out jared is pretty shitty and pretty complicated yeah he sucks basically the first time he finds Melanie in this flashback before yeah. she's captured. She finds Melanie in this house that she's raiding. He puts a knife to her throat. Mm-hmm. Then upon realizing she isn't uh, an alien, kisses her on the mouth. Against her will. She punches him and tries to flee. Tackles her to the ground. Tackles her. <laughs> straddles her. Straddles her and insists he's not a threat. Yeah. <laughs> and That's how their relationship oh starts and it... Just gets worse from there, honestly. And she's immediately like, oh, my God, he's so dreamy. And I was like, God, this is like everything bad about the Twilight romances, but like <laughs> dialed up to 11 and fat on fast forward. Yeah, exactly. And can we just talk about in the movie uh, Saoirse Ronan's Louisiana accent? Yeah, we can. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say other than 
for the all the Melanie parts, Melanie inexplicably inexplicably has like this southern Louisiana accent and it is so annoying. It's real bad. Yeah, it's not good. Like I feel bad saying this because Saoirse Ronan is a great actress. She is. She's amazing. We've seen her in so many other things. We're really excited to see her in Little Women coming out soon. Lots of stuff. But I and I mean, I don't want to like blame her too much because no. the script and the directing and the source material and literally everything she has to work with is shit. Absolutely. But let's just say a southern accent isn't her strong suit. <laughs> Luckily, when she speaks in Wanderer's head, there's so much like reverb effect yeah. on her voice that for me, I wasn't even really noticing the accent right away. But as soon as you pointed it out, I was like, oh, my God, she does have like a Louisiana accent, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she does probably the best that she could have mm-hmm. with this movie. Sure. Which- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but God bless her. Uh also, I just want to take a moment to say I listened to a lot of this book on audiobook. Yeah. Because it was so massive and boring, especially at the beginning, that I'm like, I just need this like fed to me yes. while I do other things. And I don't want to shit talk the person who read the audiobook too much. But <laughs> but that's what you're going to do. <laughs> it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, essentially, just she... Her voices for characters, every male voice she did was kind of the same. Just like this really low kind of like gritty voice. Uh. And it was Jared's voice and it was (laughs) Ian's voice and Kyle's voice and Jeb's voice. And she just kind of did the same thing for everyone. And also when uh, Wanderer gets very emotional later it gets really, really goofy. Over the top. She's like, Jamie! <laughs> <laughs> there is a line at the beginning when we both were listening oh to God. it. When she has her encounter with Jared. Yeah, this it, is Melanie in the flashback. Yes, in the flashback, mm-hmm. Melanie has this encounter with Jared. And she's trying to escape, I believe. Yeah. And when they're fighting with each other, she's like, let me go. Jamie's hungry. <laughs> Something about it, something about it was just so funny. Just her yelling at this stranger about Jamie and it's like. And the tone of voice was so like desperate and wailing. It was like, (laughs) Jamie's hungry. (laughs) And like, we couldn't let it go. Oh my God. Kept saying it to each other the whole like road trip back. I know. It's like my favorite line from. (laughs) It's the one thing I'll remember from this book probably forever (laughs) is Jamie's hungry. (laughs) Uh, but what's what's happening? The movie kind of is just like this montage of um, Saoirse Ronan kind of remembering things and yeah. the Seeker being all on her ass about it and annoying. And eventually she decides to go see the healer that she knows. So she decides to go on a road trip. Yeah. In, the, it, in the book. In the book and movie. It's yeah. like pretty much the same excuse in both. In the book, she is driving... And I kind of am a little fuzzy on the details. She just gets this like she's going through the desert. Yeah. Has like a memory flashback. And we we know about this map that she's aware of that her uncle Jeb drew her. Yeah. Leading somewhere that she thinks there may be 
a resistance or something. Melanie thinks that Jared and Jamie will have figured out this map that she herself has not quite figured out. Yeah. And that they'll be with her uncle Jeb, which is who is a crazy person who always expected the apocalypse to happen and then was proven right. Yes. Only encouraging him. The aliens, <laughs> aliens, don't you know that you're just encouraging him? Yeah, come on. <laughs> and in the book, it's kind of weird, the progression, because Wanderer is increasingly unstable and increasing, increasingly um, feeling love for both Jared, Melanie's lover, and Jamie, Melanie's brother. Yeah. And Melanie kind of like tries to lure her into the desert. And they're actually nearby the place where Melanie thinks the map starts. And kind of, she gets Wanderer to be like, all right, let's do it. Let's try to find them. Like, what do you have to lose? Like, yeah, let's ex- do it. Except your life. <laughs> except your life. But don't think about that. Let's just find them. Find Jamie, right? You want, you care about Jamie. And kind of lures her into the desert. And so we, in the book, we get this extended, like, montage of her in the desert, wandering through it, and, like, basically almost dying of... Uh, like sun exposure and lack of water and food and basically yeah. just everything she could have prepared for but just didn't. The movie. movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's driving. The movie, she tries to strangle the seeker at one point. Oh yeah, I forgot gets, about like, that. She super violent with the seeker so then they like drug her, put her in this room and they're like, we'll watch the door. But they're like guarding her. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to take you out of this body. Like, you can't do this. This body is like fighting against you. And then Melanie convinces Wanderer to use the body and to jump off a balcony into a pool. (laughs) A crazy stunt. (laughs) Oh, it's awesome. Um, And then they get into a car and start driving towards where they think Jamie and Jared will be. And this is where they're on the desert road. And we get a flashback that happens, and I think then Wanderer realizes Melanie is, like, influencing her and trying to manipulate her. So she turns the car around and is heading back, or whatever, I think. Then they get into, like, a mental mind struggle. (laughs) Melanie manages to turn the steering wheel, and the car doesn't just, like, roll over. But it flies off of the road. It hits nothing. Yeah. No. Just the turning of the wheel. The car launches itself like into the air 30 feet out. And then like in this flipping violent car crash on the side of the road. It was bananas. Yeah. It's like if you did a U-turn and it caused your car to like <laughs> launch into the air and do like a triple backflip and then land on its on its back. That is the best description of it I could. <laughs> like, you're just like, oh, the car will probably like fishtail, right? Yeah. But then it's like, it just leaps. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs> like a gymnast. Yeah. <laughs> that does not stick the landing. <laughs> <laughs> and Melanie gets out as if like nothing had happened. Like she's a little beat up, but she's like, oh man. And so they're like, well, I guess we might as well start walking into the desert. Yeah. Even though all I have is like four ounces of water water bottle she has a mini water bottle and she's wearing high heels oh yeah i forgot about that too but she's like might as well start this journey i mean at least in the book she like grabs some supplies at a store before she starts yes going out into the wilderness i don't know 
So similar situation where she's like almost dies in the desert and she is basically under this tree resigning herself to just burn to a crisp (laughs) under the sun when who should happen to find her but Uncle Jeb himself. I did kind of like this part in the book and they kind of kept it in the movie too where as they're starting to dehydrate and like their body is shutting down mm-hmm. wanderer and melanie's consciousness sort of fuses mm, yeah i yes. thought this was a good effect because you know thus far they've been very separate entities even though they share the same body yeah. they have very different voices they use different like tenses and ways of referring to themselves and then at this point near death they become one yeah it's we are dying we are like dying of thirst you know kind yeah. of that tense is used mm-hmm. a lot and i also thought this was effective too in a way and i thought this idea was interesting like what if their consciousnesses merged mm-hmm. and they like became one person or they like were able to be two people together i don't know i thought this idea was sort of interesting yeah it would be interesting wouldn't it if it was explored <laughs> but it's more. kind of only it only happens because they're dying yeah yeah essentially uh so crazy uncle jeb <laughs> finds her and quickly sees because of her eyes that she has a soul in her yeah despite her being like where's jared where's jamie she's really concerned so Uncle Jeb's like, let's go this way. And they blindfold her because there's a few other people with Uncle Jeb. Who and, want to kill her. Who want to, yeah, immediately <laughs> shoot her because she is, uh, has a soul yeah. in her. Which I, they, I just, they don't shoot her. No, they don't. I hate <laughs> saying that too, though. She has a soul. Yeah. It's like so heavy handed. <laughs> and they take her back to their underground cavern uh, base camp where there's like. It's th- the resistance. It's the resistance. There's like 30 some yeah. odd survivors and they kind of like put her in what is essentially a cell or a, a guarded room in the cave system. Yeah. And Uncle Jeb like later is like, oh, I found this cave system. And, you know, I always like, knew that I would need it for would, when the government took over. <laughs> it's like if that cave system existed, that would be like a national like park. I know like it would be like it's so huge yeah. and crazy. It's like it wouldn't just be like, well, because they have like uh, an underground stream that brings yeah. them fresh water. There's all these like caves that people use to sleep in. They're like tending crops in there. They're growing food. They have their own colony. And it is interesting because Wanderer at one point points out that their society is very similar to the society that the souls have made. Yeah. Like outside where everybody like works to have food for each other Mm -hmm. everyone pitches in like there's no money you know yeah because at one point they're like questioning her about society they're like wait why don't you how do you not use money anymore and she's like i mean you You don't don't." yeah and they're like huh they're like oh that's just because jeb has a gun (laughs) i'm like (laughs) i know it it seems like it's going to be some kind of like commentary on like either communism or socialism or something and then it's not it's not (laughs) you think it's going one way but really the whole time it's just going nowhere a specific direction (laughs) it's romance it's going to romance it's true yeah it can't it can't be bothered (laughs) with socio-political commentary yeah or the questioning of 
I mean, I guess it is sometimes questioning what makes us human, but like not but as, only in the context of romance. <laughs> yeah. And can I fuck it? And relationships. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the set a little bit in the movie? Yeah. Cause this is one of the things where like what I said about, there's no way this place could be a secret. I kind of had that inkling in the book. Yeah. And then in the movie, when you see it, it just solidifies that where you're like, this could not be anything that is hidden or unknown to people. Yeah. Uh, and the movie set is pretty lackluster. Yeah. I mean, they try to make it look like caves and tunnels, but it just kind of looks like a set. It looks like a ride at Disney World. Yes. Like some kind of like mine cart, like <laughs> tunnel ride with like Space Mountain. Sp- yeah, with like foam rock walls. And yeah. especially when he shows her like the underground stream. I expected like a log ride <laughs> to of a family through. to go through. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like get their photo taken at the end. Yeah. <laughs> It's just not super convincing. I think in the lighting, too. Yeah, I think the lighting has a lot to do with it. Because, like, if you're underground in a cave, it should be pretty fucking dark. Or at least have that appearance. Yeah. But it just isn't. No. They have lights everywhere. Also, I have to point out the fact that, like, the desert highway where Melanie crashed her car. Yeah. Where we get, like, a chase scene later and where, like, they're investigating the wreckage of her crash. It's just, like, that one road is used I know. for, like, four different scenes. And I'm like, did they just get access to this road for, like, two days? And like, <laughs> we have to film everything we can everything here. Everything films here. Get the chrome cars. Get the chrome helicopter. Yeah. The Seekers have, in the movie, it's just shiny everything. And I think they were, like, going with the theme. So shiny. That so the- chrome. <laughs> I am awaited. <laughs> In Valhalla. Um, they're going with that like worm theme where they're like silvery. Yeah. And like the silver eyes. And so they're like make everything silver and reflective. But it's just like too much. All the seekers just wear white only. Um, yeah. There's one part where Wanderer is wearing this like shiny nightgown. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then their cars are super reflective. The helicopters are super reflective. Their motorcycles. And it does look kind of cool, Mm -hmm. but it felt really over the top. It did. And we don't really have context for, like, any other and sold people besides the Seekers in the movie. It's, like, only the Seekers. Yeah. There's, like, one like the guy whose car she borrows, mm-hmm. who's just like a regular person who has a soul inside him. Yeah. But like everyone else is just a seeker. So it's really like unclear how this world works in the movie because we're just not exposed to anyone else. No. And I mean, even in the book, like you find out, oh, she's teaching and like you, you're told that the world is pretty much normal. But yeah, you just she doesn't have any interactions with anyone, really. No, you don't really get to see it. And like you're told it's basically like, normal except that no one uses money and like a bunch of other crazy fucking shit yeah uh i did appreciate in the movie uh there's a store that they go to a couple times (laughs) it's ikea it it looks just like ikea but it just says store on On it front and i'm like this is kind of funny and kind (laughs) of like at least acknowledging that in this world things looked a little different 
it's not just chrome cars, but like, yeah, yeah. they have this like almost like um, like communistic like template simplifying store. everything yeah of just yeah. like it kind of being like cookie cutter all over the place and yeah. so i did appreciate that i thought that was at least like a kind of creative funny play on it yeah because like also the all the hosts or the um the sold people yeah um they're all like really really i don't want to say dumb but gullible yeah they are they're they, very trusting they're super trusting which is I guess good for their society, but like it makes them super susceptible to being like, hey, can I have your car? And they're like, yeah, yeah. of course. Like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times they also, it never feels that threatening. No. I don't know. It's just like, I mean, the seekers feel somewhat threatening more in the movie than in the book. Yeah. In the book, you're just kind of like told about them more than anything. And you're like, what do they even do? Like, what? How do, how do they capture people? Yeah. If they're not going to, like, hurt them or... So, I don't like, know. like, no jail. Yeah. <laughs> like, even... This, the, the aliens have done away with the prison industrial complex. <laughs> <laughs> Those monsters. <laughs> like, even Wanderer, like, when she becomes, like, a missing person or, yeah. like, like, a fugitive, she never has to hide her face because they're like yeah um they're not really like they're not prepared for people like me they're not prepared for like a full-scale manhunt yeah (laughs) so they have no way of like telling people to look out for me so like she's like i basically don't ever have to hide my face because like they're too dumb to like send an email (laughs) they haven't figured out the internet yet that comes next maybe (laughs) Oh, my God. So uh, let's talk about the humans, though, because this is clearly what Stephanie Meyer was waiting to get to. mm -hmm. We do have some alien human characters in the book, but not a lot. And they're not gone into in much depth. So all of the important characters and interesting and deep characters are when we get to the human settlement. Yeah. um, So Jeb, first off, I just have to say. I kind of like him as a character. Uh, he's just kind Me of too. got this like really laid back demeanor, but like isn't afraid to like lay down the law to an extent. Yeah. My only gripe with him, though, is like he's kind of set up as being like this crazy survivalist. Yeah. And but when we meet him, he is like completely like the most level headed person. Ever. I know. And I'm like, wh- isn't he like an apocalypse like <laughs> bunker survivor man? I know. But he's just so... He's chill. Chill and down to earth about... And, like, never... I thought this was going to be, like, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. When, yeah, he, like, has the bunker, but he's also insane and he's going to kill you. Exactly. And he's, like, very friendly towards Wanderer and is kind of curious about the souls, the alien aspect, and blah, blah, blah. And Wanda... Or Wanderer sees Jared... Jared is back now. Her long lost love who immediately punches her when he sees her. Yeah. So building off that trajectory from holding a knife at Melanie's throat, tackling her. And then when he thinks there's someone possessing Melanie, punching her. He's just like such a violent person. Yeah. Like his first reaction to everything is violence. Yeah. And it's like, this is so many red flags. It's ridiculous. And I feel like Stephanie Meyer is trying to draw a contrast between like the peaceful and gentle souls and like the violent 
emotional, hysterical, Passionate. crazy humans. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this isn't how people act, honestly. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, it's just like humans are passionate, like in love and anger. And it's like, yeah, you're not really making a good case for that right off the bat. No. And also there are two brothers, Kyle and Ian, and Ian tries to strangle Wanderer almost immediately. The scene in the movie. (laughs) They, like Kyle and Ian, like bum rush the cell that she's being held in. Jared's trying to fend them off. Even though he hates her, he yeah. doesn't want her dead, I guess. Ian goes to strangle her, <laughs> and it is the most uncomfortable strangling <laughs> I've ever seen For in my everyone. life. He just kind of like. There's he no looks, movement behind it. No. It's like if you were standing up and someone just put their hands up to your <laughs> neck and was like, I'm strangling you now. Like, there's no like force. He's not like pushing her into the ground or against a wall or anything. He's just like, meh. And she's like, (laughs) it's not good. No, it's not convincing at all. Uh, And his brother, Kyle, who is like just this huge meathead, even more reactionary maybe than Jared, just wants to like fight and kill things and punch. It it goes back to this like Stephanie Meyer's um, idea of like gender normative behavior yeah. is just men roughhousing and being like physical both like violently and like in a playful way but like always being it reminds me of the wolf pack it does yeah exactly going From the twilight books going to her other work it's yeah. kind of like there were so many things like this that i'm like yeah that's that's twilight or that yeah. feels like twilight yeah and especially in contrast with the female main character who despite their strengths that they may have in contrast to the males are always um much weaker yes even what even though we're told that they may be like a badass in certain ways yeah or they have certain powers or strengths like we never see them do much of anything like that no and the women are always overpowered by the men absolutely and in danger yeah then we have maggie and sharon maggie is uh her Melanie's aunt. Melanie's other her aunt and Sharon is her daughter. And the interesting thing is in the book when Melanie was captured she was actually going to Chicago to try to find Sharon, her cousin. Yeah. So the implication is that they are close. They would be close to some extent if yeah. she drove all the way to Chicago to find her. Risked her life. Sharon and Maggie in this story are just two like bitches who just like glare the flattest characters i have ever seen they just like sneer and glare and they're just angry all the- and I, and i i say bitches because like that's their portrayal that's their in- that's there's their portrayal else. and their entire role there's no depth there's no point when sharon is ever once conflicted about like oh it's melanie but it's not melanie yeah you know it's just like this hatred and anger, and it's the entire time. It's the whole book. It never lets up. It never stops. We never get anything more to their characters. No. We never find out, like, what made them this way, or, like, did something happen, or, like, are there other things going on with no. them? No. Melanie never even has, like, a conversation with them. No, they never talk. They never talk about anything. They're just in the background being like, me. I know. And Wanderer 
has like all these feelings for Jared and Jamie because uh, Melanie did. Yeah. So you'd think she'd have some kind of emotion towards Sharon as well. Her cousin. Her cousin. Yeah. Uh, and I think she does at first, but then she's like, I'll just avoid them because <laughs> they're really mean looking. It's just a plot that goes nowhere and is there for no reason. Uh, Jeb decides that he has a brilliant plan because he's crazy, but brilliant. <sighs> Where he sends Jared out on a supply run. He's like, because Jared is guarding Melanie and Wanderer and is like, I'm not going to let them do anything, but also I'm not going to kill them. And so he's like, we need supplies. Get out. And so Jared leaves. And then Jeb has this strategy where he just kind of adjusts the whole human community to Wanderer's presence. Yeah. And and the the interesting aspect about this is that because... The souls, when they take over a body, adopt the memories. There's no real way. They just assume Melanie as a human, as a person and presence is gone. Yeah. And it's just this wanderer person, even though Melanie is there. And there's no real way of wanderer being able to prove to them that Melanie is still inside of her. Yeah. Because, like, she has all her memories, presumably. Mm -hmm. So, like you know there's nothing she could say to them that would change their mind and her mannerisms are going to be similar because she's just going to pick up on what her body naturally's habits are Mm -hmm. so yeah there's really no way to prove that and i feel like that's very interesting it is but it's not really developed into too much like almost from the get-go we have jamie interacting with wanderer and being like finding out immediately because wanderer can't lie to him because she's like, I love Jamie, my little brother. He's like my son. Uh, he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> he's so hungry. <laughs> um, she admits to him that Melanie's still in there. So she tells him right away. And then Jeb, too, is right away kind of hinting that he knows that Melanie's yeah. in there. And Jeb is smart. And I liked this. This is one of my favorite little bits was Jeb was like, you know, he's like, I think Melanie is still in there somewhere because you came out all this way. With no resources, no backup. When I found you, you were almost dead. So, like, why else would you have come out here unless it was to, like, actually find us for, like, a personal reason? Yeah. I was like, that actually makes sense. Like, it's so hard for Wanderer to prove to him that Melanie's in there. But that action alone, he's aware enough to be like. Something else is going on. I think that says something. So I really did like that part. Mm -hmm. I just can't help but feel like this story could have been so much more interesting told from like another perspective because like you know jared sucks as a character and i don't want his perspective (laughs) but hypothetically you know if this story was about oh like jared's a character he's in this like survival colony of humans in this exact same situation yeah and then his um ex-girlfriend shows up and maybe in that situation she tells him like it's really me i'm not taken over but like how would you be able to tell? Yeah. And it would it could be this whole story about like what makes a person a person. How can you be sure yeah. she's who she says she is? It could be para- paranoia filled. Mm-hmm. It could be like a really interesting dynamic. But I think it just being told from Wanderer's perspective, you do get interesting dynamics with her internal struggle. Yeah. But for me, it's also kind of really boring. Well, and Wanderer is not interesting. No. Because she's so just 
boring and peaceful and just cares about everyone. She's like caring and peaceful to the point where it's just nothing. Yes. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is. She's just, there's nothing to her. And we're constantly being told how gentle and kind she is. And she starts making friends in the community. She starts talking to people and people kind of start warming up to her. And inexplicably, Ian, who just tried to strangle her, is suddenly like, oh, maybe you're not so bad. But like all of her personality is tied to this kindness, self-sacrificing, um, overly gentleness to the point of like, she's just a doormat and it's yeah. kind of boring and annoying. Well, and the thing too is that those traits... I don't associate with her as a person, but like what the souls are as like a species. Like it seems like they're all mostly that way. Yeah. Like they would all give you the shirt off their back. Yeah. Like maybe not so much to humans, but maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how many have they encountered in this way? Like it just doesn't feel like, oh, it's like Wanderer's personality. It's just kind of like indicative of what that race of creatures is like in general. Yeah. So she just feels like this blank template that is super goddamn boring. Mm-hmm. And just and the only interesting thing that even happens in the story is like the romances and the like interpersonal relationships because there's nothing else going on. No. And those relationships don't even evolve or devolve in any kind of interesting way. Like you quickly realize Ian's into her and then it's just them him being like, Mm, around her and she's like does Ian like me yeah she's like, I think Ian likes me no and he's like Ian definitely likes you and she's like I don't know does Ian like me I think yeah. he likes me and it's that way for like a hundred pages yeah so just I don't know it's just a, another thing like Twilight Stephanie Meyer has all these great nuggets of story and ideas and ideas that could all be really well worked out into a really compelling story. Yeah. And then she never does. She picks literally the most boring route she could possibly <laughs> take for the story. Yes. And she has very like mediocre main characters too. That yeah. Are telling the story. Like the least interesting part of the story gets to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that was like. Touch- Give us our Carlisle book. <laughs> I know. Where's our Carlisle book? <laughs> Even at the beginning when she has this, when she reveals to her healer that she has this like, that Melanie is still inside of her. He tells her about this other case that he had where someone was experiencing a similar problem. And the other personality was actually able to take over yeah. the body for like hours at a time. And it was like this huge It was like problem. a fight club situation. It was a fight club situation. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the book I want to read. Yeah. Is that they get in this like like altercation where they're fighting for the same body and like taking over for periods at a time. Yeah. That would be great. Yes. But instead <laughs> they're just like. Uh, like Melanie's like, I don't like you, but I guess I'm but fine. But what if she was in love? What if they both were in love with the same person? Uh, <laughs> it's all so frustrating. Uh, let's talk about the movie a bit, because at this time we get one of the most crazy and wild chase <laughs> scenes I've ever seen. And also it makes no sense and it's very confusing. We, we return to the desert highway that we've seen for like <laughs> yes, five scenes now. Yes, our familiar desert highway. And there's two trucks of people 
and the one truck is getting uh, of of humans on a supply run and the one truck gets like identified because it's speeding and they yeah. like the seekers are chasing it and they're trying to like they got the copters they got the motorcycles even though they're in the middle of the desert in a much slower vehicle they're trying to like outmaneuver the cops they realize they're surrounded and these two nameless bastards <laughs> that we've never RIP <laughs> <laughs> whose names we do not know decide to commit suicide by driving in straight into like a concrete barrier concrete barrier and kill themselves yeah as opposed to being taken and then the other truck that has jared and someone else in it kyle or they're like oh yeah they're like watching yeah they like start getting chased down too Uh uh-huh by the seeker and it's the main seeker the one that's been chasing after wanderer is there and she's like cornering them and then like gets them to stop and is kind of surrounding them and then she like shoots another seeker. Yes. Trying to get to them. Cause they have a gun that they drop. Cause yeah. they don't, like seekers don't use guns mm-hmm. and she picks it up and she's like, well, time to murder people now. <laughs> she's like, I just time never had murder. I just never had the power to. Yeah. And she immediately shoots the One wrong of her person. <laughs> <laughs> so Jared and whoever else it is, I don't even remember. Get away. And the other seekers are like, Dude, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Where did you get a gun? You shot Carl. And she's like, I mean, I don't. They're like, you have to go home. Yeah. They're like, you. I don't even know what to say to you. (laughs) And they're like, you're off the force. And that's they're just like. Hand me your badge. (laughs) Yeah. Turn in your badge and gun (laughs) that you just now have. (laughs) Uh, So that's kind of where we leave off with uh, the seeker at the moment. But. Yeah, so at least we see what a raid looks like. I feel like in the book, we're told about all these raids they go on, and we, like, don't see them for ages. I know. So at least we get some outside perspective of the Seeker pursuing and Mm -hmm. the raid, and, like, I get this scene's role in the film. What's happening now? Does Kyle try to kill her? Kyle tries to kill her at one point, (laughs) and, like... He doesn't, but she saves him because she's, like, such a good person. This is, like, the worst part of the story, honestly, was... And they, um, Jeb renames her Wanda because it's a lot easier to say than Wanderer. Wanderer. For all of us. So (laughs) Wanda. Wanda refuses to admit to anyone that Kyle tried to kill her. She's like, no, I tripped in the cave five times. (laughs) (laughs) With my face. Um, And it's like, I don't know. It's just... Made me so frustrated. I know. And her reasoning is just like, but he's human and I'm not. And I can't. God, the, the martyrdom is like bleeding all over the page. And who does this remind you of, Ian? Um, Someone from another Stephanie Meyer story, <laughs> like the main character. Who kept trying to like put herself in danger and get herself killed over and over and to she, save people. And she blames herself. And just making it worse for everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just blames herself for everything and just yeah. like, oh God. Yeah, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue, but. Spell all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just, oh my God. One of the only interesting aspects of this story was like, they have a trial for Kyle because they know what happened, even though yeah. she won't say. And the dilemma is they were like, well, 
they're, we can't just necessarily kick him out. Yeah. Because if he gets caught. He'll and, lead them back here. And is implanted, like, they'll know where we are. Which I'm like, that's a really interesting <laughs> aspect. They either have to, like, kill, kill him, him or, like, forgive him. Yeah. Which is, like, a really interesting. But, like, you know, not they don't do as much with it as I would have liked. But. No. Um, they agree to, like, basically forget about it. Yeah. And at this point, like, Ian's transformation is so total that it makes the beginning look really ridiculous. Oh, yeah. The fact that Ian was willing to strangle Wanda to death. And now he's like, but I love you. Yeah. And now. so wild. Now he comes across as like the gentle one. Yeah. Compared to Jared. Yeah. And especially in the in the movie. Like it's the it's the scene after he tries to strangle her. And he's like. She's hmm. he's like, she's a person. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just tried to kill her. <laughs> also, in the movie, Jared and Ian look exactly the same. Oh, my God. They just got two like <laughs> generic, generic, dirt, medium build, dirty, blonde haired. Yeah. Actors. White. <laughs> 25 ish year old. Men. Kind, kind of solidly built. Yeah. Dudes who just. They just, they just look identical. They look they have slightly different haircuts. Yeah, that's like it. That's the only difference between oh my them. God, it's so dumb. Oh my god! I'm like, why do we insist on making everyone white? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not to uh, mention a lot of black characters die in the movie. Yeah, I think like they wanted diversity. You but know, they refused to make any of the main characters diverse. So, so they made all the side characters who get killed and shot. <laughs> they made all of them black. It sounds a weird message. Just it saying. It sure does. What are we? This So much of this book, like, nothing happens. I know. Actually, nothing happens. I, I hate saying that because I've heard other people make that argument against movies that I think are good or books that are good. They're like, nothing happens when that's not necessarily true. But I think in this story, it kind of is true. Well, and there are no surprises. No. Like, no. Everything just kind of like, it's like a set of dominoes where you're like, this thing happens, which leads to this thing happening, which leads to this thing happening. It's almost like this unbroken chain of like perfectly linked events that, I mean, fit well together, but there's nothing interesting about them. No. Like, you know, it's almost inevitable that Wanderer will, like, go seek out Jamie and Jared. And then it's inevitable that she finds them. And inevitable that, like, she begins to get to know them and they get to know her. And then all of these other things happen. And it's just, like, I don't know. Nothing interesting. And, and every problem that comes up is, like, immediately surmounted. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, the the biggest through line of the story is the love triangle. Yeah. In terms of, like, how do I make this work? How do I, like make my love with Jared work when I'm like two people in one body. Like, but it's not explored that much considering it's like the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, ultimately like, I don't know. It's just a bunch of, it's like a series of events that are immediately resolved. Yes. Uh, the only kind of twist that happens actually happens at this point in the story when a group comes back from a raid and Wanderer realizes something weird is going on. So she follows them to the medical area and discovers that they are kidnapping people like host bodies and trying to extract the souls from them. Yeah. And only killing both the humans and the souls in the process. But like they're trying 
to like figure out how to save people, save people. And like, you know, and I, I was like, OK, this is a decent twist in terms of. Like, I didn't entirely see it coming. Yeah, and it fits fits well with what they would naturally want to do. Yeah, except that following that, Jeb is like, I mean, well, we can just stop doing it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Wanda is really upset, and Wanda, like, goes into this, like, hiding ritual where she, like, stops eating and is, like, in the dark for a few days. And then Jeb's like, hey, how about you stop doing it? And she's like, okay. And he's like, all right, we'll stop too. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, done and done. All right, we're good. The only consequence from this is that uh, Wanda shut Melanie out during this time because she was so angry at what was happening to the souls that they were like killing these innocent souls. And she can't find Melanie now. So like she can't find her in her head. Mm -hmm. And she's worried that she's gone for good. So she's like, oh no, Melanie's gone. I need... Um, some handsome men to kiss me. <laughs> well, and it, it's it's given urgency because at this time her brother gets sick. Yeah, he gets a an infection from this cut, and so she's like, "Oh my god, I need Melanie now. Like things are going Jamie so needs her. Ja yeah, yeah. Jamie needs her. I, you know, where is she? She's like, maybe she's like she got really pissed off one time." When I almost kissed Ian or did kiss him. Yeah. So maybe I should kiss him. <laughs> so she grabs Ian and she says, kiss me. And Ian says, okay. Okay. <laughs> In the movie, um, he kisses her and then she's like, no, not like that. Kiss me like you want to get slapped. <laughs> Which I love. I do too. That line really made me laugh in the movie. And I was surprised when it came up in the book as well yeah but then when i read it in the book i'm like i don't i don't know if this was supposed to be f like as funny as no. it reads no i don't think it was because <laughs> stephanie meyer is like not exactly one for like comedic a, yeah a light touch. timing <laughs> yeah or like any amount of self-awareness no so it kind of almost ruined it for me because in the movie i was like oh that's really like that's funny a, a funny line and i was like oh maybe it wasn't meant to be but <laughs> But it doesn't work. Yes. So then she's like, grab me another man. <laughs> and she's like, she has such a physical reaction to Jared because Jared already tried kissing her to try to find out if Melanie really was in there. And Melanie punched him through the body. Which I guess proved to Jared. And he's, he's like, like, oh, yeah, baby, I knew you were in there. He's like, only my girlfriend would punch <laughs> me for kissing her. <laughs> she does it all the time. <laughs> So they're like, maybe if Jared kisses Wanda, that Melanie will be so pissed about it that she'll come back. And then they're and, and then she's like, and maybe if that doesn't work, maybe Ian and Jared can kiss and then we'll see what that does to me. That's not what happened. <laughs> unfortunately, if only um, while we're here, <laughs> <laughs> while we're here at this hypothetical at this hypothetical threesome, which is actually maybe a foursome. That's true. Can we just say what a missed opportunity? I know because <laughs> what a missed opportunity for a threesome slash foursome. I mean, but really, though, but really, though, because right at the beginning of this story, when they talk about the soul being implanted in Melanie, the soul is described as female. Yeah. And I was like, huh, interesting. I'm like, is that only because Melanie is female? Yeah. Or. You know, or can they put a male 
soul in a female body? What would that do? Yeah. It obviously has the door open for a lot of interesting gender discussion and like a look at gender roles and norms. And and the idea of like a consciousness maybe having a gender and then the body maybe not or having the consciousness not have a gender. Yeah. And it just kind of being like in whatever body it is in. So it could be like, it could be either discussion on transness. If it was like a female soul put into a male body, you know what I mean? That could be a disconnect story. Or it could be like gender fluidity where, Mm -hmm. you know, a soul is just a soul. It's genderless. It can be in whatever body it's put into. Yeah. And if you think about it, like they've been on so many planets, like there's got to be like different types of gender out there. And and she does talk about that. She's like, oh, yeah, like on some planets, there's three genders or more. Yeah. And like, I don't know. So many of these things are just like mentioned. Once again, Stephanie <laughs> Meyer, like glossing over way more interesting content than she actually writes about. Yeah. But and she acknowledges at one point that like she's talking to Ian mm-hmm. and she's saying and this is kind of another interesting thing. She's like, Ian's like, I love you, Wanderer. But yeah. she's like, well, I think you love this body. She's like, what if I was in a different body? What if yeah. I was in like a male body? She's yeah. like, I could be. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, she could Let's be. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. But it's like, no. No. I am just constantly reminded of the book, uh, The Left Hand of Darkness mm. by Ursula K. Le Guin. And if it's, I only read it last year and I'm sad that I waited this long to read it, but it's so good because it is a discussion on like an alien life where they have gender differently. And it's about a person, like a human, going to that world and trying to understand it. Yeah. And it's so interesting. (laughs) And it talks about gender and sexuality and all of that stuff in society in so many interesting and nuanced ways. And, like, that's the sci-fi. That's what sci-fi is supposed to do. Yeah. Is to talk about these things that we just accept in our lives or maybe fucked up about our world in a new and interesting way. And the opportunities are all there in this book, but they're not explored. And I feel like that's a subject that, you know, I think most of the time with when you talk about aliens and invasion kind of stories like this, it's always about like human struggle and like survival and like all these like themes rare. And I think because those can be like expressed and explored through action. Yeah. But I don't think like subjects like gender are ever are rarely explored. Yeah. Um, Cause I think they tend to not be as like explosive or action heavy mm-hmm. themes or easily, you know, applied to those genres. But I think they're just as valid and probably like way more interesting than a lot of what we read in sci-fi. Yeah. And I'm like, this could have been in that realm. Mm-hmm. It could have been talking about so many interesting things and it just totally chooses to ignore it. For just like, he- like these hetero, I know boring relationships. It's like needlessly hetero. Let's just say that needlessly <laughs> hetero. Just uh, everyone that's, read the Left Hand of Darkness that's if definitely, you're yeah. interested in a kind of complex sci-fi portrayal of gender. Yeah, so. that's a good recommendation in this discussion. So uh, Jamie's sick, and Wanda's like, we have to get the soul medicine because they have cured all diseases and it's way better than the literal nothing that you have here. (laughs) So she and Jamie 
like sneak out or not her and Jamie, her and, her her and, and Jared. How could you get their names? Oh confused? my God. There's so many J names in this. <laughs> <laughs> she and Jared are like, we have to save Jamie. So they sneak out and she hurt like for real hurts herself, goes into a like soul medical facility and they're like, of course we'll heal you. And then she steals all their shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, like, it, it's just one of those uh, examples of like, they have a plan and then it just goes off without a hitch. And there's nothing, like, yeah, there's no tension. Yep. Nothing happens to like make it more exciting. Nope. They come back with the medicine and everyone's mad at first because they snuck off and she's not supposed to leave. Yeah. But then they use the medicines. And then they're like, Wow. Why weren't we doing this before? <laughs> also, can we say in the book that Jamie is 14? Oh, my God. And he acts like he's eight. Yes. At the most, At the most. 10. Yeah. At the most, 10. Yeah. He's like very childlike, very clingy to Wanda slash Melanie. Yeah. Is like just... Everything that they describe him with, I'm like, he is not 14. No Have way. Have you met a 14-year-old Stephanie Meyer? <laughs> and Were you even 14 in your life? The movie is smarter where they're like, this is clearly a child. Yeah. And so they cast like an actual 10-year-old to play him. Yeah. And it works so much better because, you know, Melanie is so maternalistic and protective of Jamie and that seeps into Wanda as well. And she becomes very protective and mothering towards Jamie. And it just doesn't fit when you imagine a 14-year-old boy in the same situation. <laughs> there is a part where uh, Melanie or Wanderer and Ian are, like, alone in their room, laying on beds next to each other. Yeah. Like, basically spooning. And Jamie bursts in and is like, hey, guys, what's going on? I don't see anything wrong with this picture. And he like jumps on the bed. Yeah. And I'm like, he's like a puppy, dude. Like even you, even any 14 year old would at least have the self-awareness to be like, mm, I don't feel comfortable being here right now. Yeah. So it's just super weird throughout the entire book. And then the seeker shows up, which the whole book, we never get a name for the seeker. Yeah. I don't understand why. Because Especially because there are other Seekers. Yeah. So why does this one not the get... The Seeker. The Seeker. Yeah. She's the Alpha Seeker. <laughs> and I also just want... Okay, so this plays out in two different ways. <gasps> the book, which suffers so terribly from its limited perspective, because so many things happen off page yeah. in this story. Basically, they're out on a raid, and when they come back, someone's like... Oh, by the way, uh, the Seeker showed up and we captured her, but not before she shot and killed Wes. And they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, wow. And we're like, who's Wes? Yeah. You're like, wait, what? Who was that? Uh, so, like, it just kind of like they show up one day and she's just there. And it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, the movie. The movie doesn't do much better. They're coming back from a raid. We see it's all edited together so terribly. They arrive to find Wes, who I, I guess he's Wes. Yeah. Dead on the road. And we get a shot before this of Wes on a cliff. And there's like a moment where he's like, what? And then like the next moment, he's just like dead. Yeah. And when they're looking at his body, suddenly from out of like entering the frame, 
of the Behind movie. Behind nothing. Yeah. From, uh, appearing from nowhere is the seeker with a gun. And when you see behind her, it's nothing but flat road. And yeah. Like, how did she just suddenly sneak up? Like up here. And like no one saw her. And as she's holding the gun to them from. From behind. <laughs> from behind her. Jeb just shows up with a gun. And I was like, where are you all hiding? Where are they popping out of? There's nothing to hide behind. <laughs> it was so confusing visually. Oh, yeah. It made like zero sense. Uh, but Jeb is able. able, able. <laughs> Jeb is able to shoot her in the shoulder and disarm yeah. her. And so they've captured her. It was such a weirdly edited and blocked scene. But at least it happens in front of Wanderer. Yeah. And not like, oh, hey, you missed it. Oh, yeah. You just <laughs> missed this crazy action adventure thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> so they have the secret captured. And this is where Wanda develops her secret plot. Yeah. Where she's like, I have to save the Seeker because we can't kill her. And Melanie's like, why? (laughs) She's like, but I would feel bad if we killed her. So she develops a secret plan, which is very confusing to everyone. (laughs) Yes. Basically, she drops the information on us that she, this entire time, has known how to remove a soul from a human safely. Yeah. And this just, like, solidifies for me the fact that Stephanie Meyer did not plan this book at all and just wrote, like, stream of conscience, like, figuring things out as she goes. Because so many things like this happen when there was, like, no setup for it at all. No. She's like, yeah, I knew how to do this the whole time, and I know I didn't mention it earlier. There's, like, one mention of her, like, I'm hiding this, like, super secret information from Melanie, and then they never talk about it again. <laughs> and that was probably Stephanie Meyer, like, fuck, I should probably, like, Going back. I mention this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a similar thing where, like, you also find out in the book that, like, uh, a a soul can kill itself and its host yeah. if it thinks it's in danger. Yeah. And once again, she's like, yeah, I could have done this earlier when I thought I was in danger, but I just like didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> and it's like, could you please like give have us information plan. earlier like then we absolutely need it? So she goes to Doc, whose name is Doc, and um, she's like, listen, I can show you how to save people and get these aliens out of them. But you have to promise me that you will not kill the aliens and that instead you will send them to another planet using these like specific cryo tanks and this whole process that I'll outline for you. And he's like, okay, sounds good. I can agree to that. And she's like, also, you have to murder me. (laughs) I know. It's so stupid. She's like, you have to promise not to kill any souls. He's like, done. She's like, except for me, you have to kill me. Like, really dead. (laughs) Because she wants them to take her out of Melanie. So Melanie can have her body back. And then she's like, but don't send me to another planet. Just put me in the dirt. (laughs) Just like stomp me into the ground. (laughs) I had this image of Doc, like when he pulls the soul out of her neck. Yeah. Just like taking a Kleenex and like smushing it (laughs) like like a bug. (laughs) Just kind of like, and then just like throwing her in a wastebasket. 
That's what she wants. That, yeah, she's just like, give me a traditional funeral in a wastebasket. And she does this, like she shows them how to take the soul out. They take the soul out of the seeker. They got the human back. And they do this to someone else too. And they're kind of like realizing also conveniently around this time that like sometimes the bodies won't, like the person doesn't come back depending on how long like the alien soul has been inside the body too. Yeah. Which is all new information to us now. It's all just like vague and brought up. Yeah. Uh, But so Melanie has to, or, uh, you know, Wanda has to show them how to remove a soul from body. Yeah. And I just have to read (laughs) a little bit from this part because she is showing them with this person they've captured. Yeah. They have their neck hole open and she's helping Ian and she's like, yeah, put your finger in the neck hole. And she's (laughs) explaining it. And she says at one point, now rub softly in toward the body. Knead it lightly. (laughs) Is she teaching him how to finger (laughs) the souls? The souls out of the body. <laughs> you you find that little nub there? <laughs> Just knead it softly until it relaxes. <laughs> it releases its tentacles. Oh my god, I was when I was reading like I was already like laughing at how like sexual the whole thing was and then when she says that line, I'm like is she teaching him how to find the G spot on the souls? <laughs> Kind of. It made me laugh so hard. I'm sorry. I had to, I, I had to address that. This was just like very confusing in the movie too. Yeah. Because it's it's not gone into very much detail. We don't know what's happening. And then she's like, all right, kill me. And we get that she's giving the body back to Melanie. But then we don't understand anything else. And so then basically she goes to Doc and she's like, all right, I'm ready Smush me into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and so he agrees to, and they remove her from Melanie. And then in both versions, we get this awakening again. Yeah. And this viewpoint, like a, a perspective shot of a person looking around, and there's Melanie, and the person's like, what's going on? Where am I? And then we just see some bitch. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, But we get this super shitty, loose explanation in basically both versions, but... Yeah. Mostly the book. Mostly the book. I feel like the book spent so much time explaining to us why Wanderer doesn't want to be a parasite anymore. She's like, I love humans too much. Like, you deserve to be happy. And we're, we were wrong to, like, come to Earth and try to, like, control you, even though we made everything better and you sucked before. <laughs> um, and so she's like, just let me die. And if I am in another body, like, I'll just be hurting that person. And then they're like, but we found a loophole because we just recently explained to you how sometimes the people don't come back because they've been gone too long. So in that case, you might as well just have that body, right? Yeah. And that's that's the explanation we get. <laughs> oh my God. Which it's like, just because the person co- doesn't come back doesn't mean their like soul still isn't in like no, and it doesn't erase the sunken place. The ethical implications of what you're doing. No. If you're that concerned with the ethics of it. I, yeah. Which we are led to believe that she is concerned with. 
But she's just like, oh, well, I guess making matters much, much worse. Oh, my God. I is can- the body that they select for Wanda. <laughs> I cannot believe this part of the book. So as she's waking up and looking at herself, these are some of the descriptions of this body. And I've like spliced them together. So it's not like verbatim from the book. It was a child's hand. She describes her own hand. The face in the mirror was roundish, not quite oval, small, pale pink lips, full and almost round, like a baby's, small, even white teeth behind them, a dimple in the chin, and everywhere, everywhere, golden waving hair. This body looked much younger than her true age, hovering on the edge of 17. And then Ian laid his hand on my cheek. His hand was so big, just the palm covered from my jaw to my forehead. I want everyone listening right now (laughs) to put their palm on their head and start at your like bottom of your face at your jaw. And then where your palm ends, not your fingers, where your palm ends, measure where that is. And apparently Ian's entire palm could cover from her jaw to her forehead. So I'll leave you with that disturbing image. (laughs) I just, I could not believe. I'm like, child love was already a huge, terrible, horrible subject in the Twilight series. Yeah. And here it comes back. With the whole, like, imprinting thing in the Twilight series. Yeah. Yeah. And this is almost worse, I think, because, like, in the Twilight series, it's so absurd. Like, it's really fucked up. Yeah. But, like, that whole series is so wacky and ridiculous at that point that I'm like, this is, like, terrible, but, like, almost so ridiculous. Well, and Ian is supposed to be, like, 26 or 27-ish. Yeah. And this body is 16, not even 17 yet. And also really young looking. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't even even look like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Ian is like, hey, I know you look like you're 14, but I'm still going to like romantically advance on you. Yeah. And the whole like putting like an adult consciousness into a child's body, too, Mm -hmm. is like very disturbing because then you're like, well, they're like mature for their age or like they're kind of an adult and like it doesn't matter like what the body's age is all it matters is like the mind which gets into lots of pedophilia arguments so yeah it's just disturbing and it was just weird the way that this character was described like it would have been so easy for stephanie meyer to make this character just like normal a reasonable age (laughs) yeah like and instead she's described as like the tiniest cherub baby like pudgy (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, it literally could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. I, I I don't know what her rationale for this. Like, no, obviously, Wanderer or Wanda is supposed to be like very innocent, not innocent. I don't know. I don't know what led her to make this Just decision. Just put her in a baby and start <sighs> from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> put her in a toddler. Ugh, God, Gross. it was just what a way to leave that off and on. That's the end. Well, we do get a stupid, ridiculous epilogue yeah. where they get pulled over by the cops. Yes. And they're like, oh, no. It's the cops. It's the cops. This is the end. And then they're like, we're not cops. We're also the resistance. Yeah. And then they're like, what? And then suddenly it's like, 
radioactive in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Suddenly the end credits just start and radioactive starts playing. Yeah. And like they they have a soul with their human group too, so they're like, "Oh, other souls have like joined the other side." Ha ha ha. Well, and I'm like, "What what is the end goal? What what do you want, Stephanie Meyer? Do the souls join the humans yeah. or do the humans get rid of the souls?" Yeah, they like, can't coexist. No, or like, what do you want people to do? Make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. My notes, though, were literally, Seekers have guns now? Oh, it's a human group now? Radioactive plays. That's <laughs> 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 my last note. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that is the end of the book and the movie. Ian, Ian, which one is better? Oh, Jesus Christ. I <laughs> I know I say it all the time. I literally have not thought about it for two seconds because, like, it doesn't warrant the brain effort all right, to try I'll, to choose. All right, I'll go first. I, I, I know what I'm going to say, though. Oh, then do you want to go? Uh, I have to say the movie. Yeah. Just because it's shorter. It's more laughably bad. Uh, the movie, or the book... Touches lightly on some interesting concepts, but follows through on none of them. It is way too long. Nothing really interesting happens. It's her worst book, I think. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm going to say the book. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because there's something about Stephanie Meyer's writing that I actually, like, find very engaging. Oh, my God. And as I'm reading it, I was, like, very engaged. Like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Part of me is, like, very, like, interested in the story still. Yeah. And this is my second time reading it. So um, I had read the story before. And, like, I I have a lot of problems that I've talked about here. But I think the book does try in some aspects to explore certain topics. Whereas the movie is just, like... All right, let's just like do the skeleton of the story and yeah. not go into any detail and make it super cheesy and super weird and get like the worst actors, excluding Saoirse Ronan, and have like really odd tonal choices and it just be like all over the place and just bad. Yeah. Oh, no, it's bad. Uh, but in my opinion, like the book is a more enjoyable experience because there's more going on there's more to think about and yes it is too long it absolutely is and there's a lot in there that i wish was done more with as we always feel with a lot of stephanie meyer's writing but i do feel like it's an engaging story and it is interesting i I guess the thing that always frustrates me about stephanie meyer as a writer is like if you like broke her writing down it's like 20% of it is, like, events actually happening, and then 80% of it is the character reflecting on those events. Yeah. And, like, thinking about them and feeling guilty about them (laughs) and, like, questioning everything. Yeah. And it's just, like, so exhausting, and I'm just, like, always so bored by it. Mm -hmm. And I guess, like, in the Twilight books, like, even though there's so many issues with them, I do kind of like the characters more like Bella is at least relatable to an extent. Yeah. You know what I mean? In terms of like, Oh, she's a high schooler. She doesn't have her shit together. Like, yeah, her clumsiness is like super ridiculous, but like, at least it's kind of a character fault and something. Wanda is just so plain, so boring. And the most interesting aspect of her sharing a body with Melanie 
by the second half of the book is like not a thing. I know. Melanie's hardly there. No, she like takes such a back seat to Wanda just being a martyr for the entirety of the book. Like it's so bad at one point that one chapter ends with them finding out Wes was killed by the seeker. And the next chapter begins with her being like, I killed Wes. She's like, it's my fault. He's dead. Like I might as well have pulled the trigger. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're so exhausting. So I just found this book to be such a slog. I listened to a lot of it and it was just kind of to get as the information basically. Yeah. So I guess I would recommend like if you kind of like the Twilight books or like some part of you sort of enjoyed them despite their faults to give the host a try because you'll probably at least partially enjoy it. Yeah. But otherwise I also wouldn't really recommend watching the movie (laughs) though. (laughs) The movie doesn't reach its heights of unintentional hilarity that it could have. Yeah. Like there are some hilarious parts like the car flip. Yeah. Was wild. Yeah. And some other moments that were like really cheesy and bad. Um, but a lot of it's just boring. It is. Unfortunately. <laughs> like I think it could have been way funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it could have leaned in more. Th- this is one of those times where I just have to like factor in the time. Yeah. I'm like I spent so much time reading this book that I don't care anything about and at least the movie was shorter and had some laughs in it so that's, yeah. that's why i'm going with movie wow we're disagreeing i know we never do i love it yeah i, I do too i'm all for it <laughs> let's do lightning round yeah so first of all i want to mention that in this book uh melanie slash wanda is constantly being carried everywhere <laughs> by ian by jared uh i think those are the main ones but they <laughs> Stephanie Meyer keeps saying that she was scooped up (laughs) and cradled. And when you keep hearing those same words over and over, it starts to get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like Melanie's supposed to be like 5'10 or something. Yeah. And they're like. Solidly built. Yeah. And these like burly men are like, oh, yeah, I can easily like pick you up and just carry you everywhere. And I'm like, does Stephanie Meyer have like a carrying kink? I know. <laughs> For real, though. Is that like her thing, like being carried? Because like who was carried everywhere? Also, Bella. Yep. And then I also just wanted to read this like little bit of when um, Wanda kisses Ian and she becomes in love with him. She writes, uh, so when he touched me, it was deeper and slower than the wildfire, like the flow of molten rock far beneath the surface of the earth. Too deep to feel the heat of it, but it moved inexorably, changing the very foundations of the world with its advance. It changed me, not her. It was almost a metallurgic process, deep inside the core of who I was. Something that had already begun was already nearly forged, but this long, unbroken kiss finished it, searing and sharp-edged. It shoved this new creation, all hissing, into the cold water that made it hard and final unbreakable oh my god and i'm like you're just describing like someone metal smithing like <laughs> <laughs> like what she like went to a renaissance fair and like watched someone do that she's, she's like, like oh yeah <laughs> it's like what does that even mean i know um so, so something we kind of like glossed over was in the book and the movie but like mostly the book the soul gets extracted from the seeker and the seeker like the real person comes awake. Yeah. Her name is Lacey. Lacey. And 
in the movie, she gives this like whole explanation about like, oh, I was there the whole time. I was trapped in there. And that's why she was going crazy. And we get a similar kind of explanation in the book. <laughs> but Lacey in the book is hella annoying. Yeah. She's just really obnoxious. And she's like, I was in there yelling all the time, driving <laughs> her crazy. And like. And then we're like, oh, man, we kind of feel bad for like <laughs> the seeker. Like she was driven to madness. She was driven crazy by how annoying her host body was. And it's like the reason she like went off the deep end and like murdered people. And I kind of loved it. It I was kind of, of like I kind of loved it my too. favorite thing. Uh, so another thing for lightning round, there's not much from the movies, but apparently Stephanie Meyer was going to make this into a trilogy. So she was going to write a second and third book in this series. And I actually read an interview um, where they talked about the movie coming out mm. and they were interviewing the director and Stephanie Meyer and some of the actors. And they were like, oh, so what's the scoop on like the second, like the second book and movie? Like, are you going to make the movie? Um, mm. And they were all like, oh, like. Stephanie Myers, pretty tight lid, tight lipped, type, type, <laughs> She's got a tight lid on her lips <laughs> about this whole process. But I would love to do like the second movie, blah, blah, blah. So like this was like out there yeah. and like talked about a lot. And then Stephanie Meyer like never mentioned it again. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, it is. Intru- I wonder how much of that decision to not rate the next book was based on the movie not doing well. I don't know. Or if it was just like the book not doing well, maybe she would have written it no matter what the movie did. If the book was, re- well, I mean, I guess the book was received somewhat well. It was wasn't popular. It? it sold well. Yeah, so. probably among the same crowd who liked Twilight. Yeah, there was this part in the book, and I was listening to it on audiobook, and I may not have thought it was. I may not have realized how ridiculous it was if I hadn't been listening to it. Yeah, but it's so funny because it's like. I think um, Jeb and Melanie walking through like the main encampment and like running into people and saying hello. Yeah. And it's just so many names said in a row with like no substance that it kills me. It is so funny. So I'll read it. We passed Doc. Hey, Doc. Ian said. Ian. Doc nodded. Morning. Jeb answered. I nodded uneasily. See you around. Doc said, hurrying off with his burden. Wanda, huh? Ian asked. My idea, Jeb told him. Suits her, I think. Interesting, was all Ian said. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, Wanda, Ian. Jeb. Jeb. Doc. (laughs) Doc. Jeb. (laughs) (laughs) With like no reason. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's lightning round. What an episode. What an experience. What a time. all of us. And... This is the end of 2019, guys. It is. Another year under our belts. I know. Another year of the podcast. It's so exciting. Um, We love everything about doing this podcast, and we love everything about our listeners. And if you would like to give back to us in any way, you can do that on Patreon. Yes. We have a wonderful community of listeners who support us over there. And um, all our patrons get access to our bonus episodes. We have a few coming out soon, and we will have a wrap-up of all our 2019 episodes for our patrons as well, where we talk about the year and um, all that good stuff. Yeah. So patrons can look forward to that. But if you would love, if you'd like to contribute, um, we really appreciate it. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, all the reviews really help us get seen and noticed on that platform. We're also on Twitter at Covered Two Credits with the number two. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. 
And we're just kind of all over the place. So yeah. Uh, or email us at coveredcreditspod at gmail.com. Just send us suggestions, what you thought of the host, um, you know, past episodes. We just love hearing from listeners and engaging yeah. with our audience. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we'll see you in 2020. See you next year. Bye. Bye.